Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North and South America, and all the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to France, France, London. The terms of surrender for the Italian army in Ethiopia have just been handed to Mussolini's representatives. This will give England about 38,000 prisoners, bringing the number of Italians captured in Ethiopia to 200,000. London. Reports persisted in England today. All right, all right. That the we had enough of the windshield. All right, we had it. Now, look. Talk radio has always been difficult. It's not easy for anyone to sit in front of a microphone and just talk and make sense for a few hours at a time. And that's why not everyone can do it. Like athletes, there are an elite few who can do it well. But lately, it's become even more difficult. I don't know where to go with it anymore. I'm at my wit's end. Why? Well, we live in a time where whatever you say elicits an emotional reaction as soon as the words leave your mouth. No one listens to what you actually say anymore. No one thinks about it. No one mulls it over and then maybe comes to an agreement or has a reasonable discourse with you. Instead, they wait and they pounce to see if they agree or disagree with your political orientation. The world has become Twitter. Someone posts something in a few illiterate sentences or one sentence and the vile responses begin automatically. So here is the problem. I'm no longer able to tell you what I think with any uh, length of in any length of time. I can't do it because it's immediately put into one camp or another. Reason debate has become next to impossible. I cannot, for example, say a negative word about the president without being attacked uh, by the MAGAs. I cannot say a negative word about Elijah Cummings. I can't say a negative word about Buttigieg. The country cannot survive this. Humanity cannot survive this. Talk radio cannot survive this. You see, when I started in talk radio, I would take the ferry into San Francisco on some days. I would get to the ABC radio studios where KSFO was about 10 minutes before showtime uh, with a newspaper under my arm. And when the microphone went hot, I would just read the headlines of the day and give my commentary on them. That was the show prep I did. That was when doing talk radio was fun. The shows were fun. They were spontaneous. But here's the other problem. We don't really have newspapers anymore. Everyone gets their news from the Internet. There's so many websites now. But what we can still do is follow the local papers on the net. Unfortunately, most of them are owned by a few chains, so they all mimic each other. For example, let's do this together. Let's begin in New York City by going to the New York Times, and I'll read their headlines, and you, uh, of course, can follow along and follow the bouncing lies. We go to the New York Times. Yes, I know all about the ceasefire. Great. I'm, I'm thrilled to death. I hope uh, Trump gets a, uh, a Nobel Prize for it. What you don't know is there's a five-day ceasefire to let the Kurds withdraw. This is not a headline. This is just before the headlines. Uh, Pence should get the uh, Nobel Prize if this peace plan lasts, by the way. Pence should get a Nobel Peace Prize. 
Five-day Turkish ceasefire in order to allow the Kurds to withdraw with their tails between their legs. That's the whole ceasefire. Well, it's better than killing, I agree. But you know what? Get back to me in 50 days and hope to God it's still a peace plan. But getting back to my main theme, let's go to the headlines of the newspapers around the country. New York Times, blah, blah, blah. We have to go. Here we go. Down to the middle of the page. Pence says Turkey agrees to five-day pause in Syria fighting. That's not the headline to the old York Times. The headline in the old York Times is this. Mulvaney says aid to Ukraine was held up to investigate Democrats. He never said that. Uh, Opinion. The G7 summit brought to you by the Trump Organization. So that's the headlines in the old York Times. Now let's go to where shall I go? You want to go to New York? Well, we're in New York. Let's go to the uh, scandal sheet of New York. Well, that was the scandal sheet. Let's go to the other scandal sheet. New York Post. I don't know. Murdoch doesn't like Trump anymore. So everything you're going to see in the Post now is a reflection of Lachlan. That's the son Murdoch or the other Murdoch son whose name I don't know, which is almost reflective today of liberalism. But that's their right. It's their paper, right? Isn't the New York Post owned by the by the uh, family, the Murdoch family? Don't they get a right to do what they want with their newspaper? If they wanted to put up a picture of Karl Marx and say that he had some good ideas, he wasn't all wrong, they have a right to do that. White House held up Ukraine aid because Trump wanted probe into DNC hacking, says Mulvaney. Okay, where that'll go, who knows? Husband hacks off alleged rapist. Here's here's an important news story out of Ukraine for those of you who are obsessed with Ukraine. Not the Ukraine. If you only want Ukraine news, I'm going to give you Ukraine news now. Ready? This is from Ukraine. Husband hacks off alleged rapist penis after seeing him assault wife. Now, that's a real news story. And it's from a it's about a Ukrainian husband. The 27 year old man was headed home in Shevchenko in eastern Ukraine on Saturday when he saw the alleged attack at Dmitry Evchenko. Everyone there is like ends with an O. Everything ends like a KO. That's interesting. That's why they're such good fighters. Shevchenko, Dmitry Shevchenko, Klitschko. Did you notice that everyone's name ends in a KO? That's why the Ukrainians must be good fighting. Anyway, the husband this, the husband that, punch him in the head, pulls out a Swiss army knife, cuts off uh, Ivechenko's penis, according to local reports. Then walked to a police station, turned himself in. It's unclear whether doctors will be able to reattach Ivchenko's penis. He had surgery to hospital or require. Would you want it back on if it was cut off? How could it ever work again? I mean, it's like it's damaged goods. How is it ever going to be of any use to this guy? Anyway, it's not a funny story, but it is from Ukraine. It is a headline in a New York newspaper. Now let's move to Washington to another new. Here's USA Today is going out of business. The USA Today has been losing money for 10 straight years because they're the most leftist absurd rag in the country. Headline. I'm shocked. Pence. Dot, dot. Turkey agrees to five-day ceasefire in Syria. Okay. All right. That's not bad. That's what happened. Cummings dies weeks after medical procedure. I know I'm supposed to say something with like a, a homage to a Cummings. I didn't like Cummings. I thought he was the meanest one in Congress. Nasty, mean human being. Horrible. Horrible. You know, and I'm going to say this about the, the death of Cummings. Here's what I'm going to say. I think that Donald Trump has a lucky star over his head. You know, I've noticed that in life with people who are very successful. The people I've known in life who were super successful have a lucky star that flies around with them. And things happen that you can't explain that benefit them. Cummings was the number one antagonist of Trump in Congress. Did you know that? And he was a sacred cow in many ways. You couldn't say a word about him. Well, now Trump is basically his gloves off. He can say what he wants. He can call a crazy Nancy, nutty Nancy, because she's nutty as a fruitcake. And in San Francisco, that's saying something. Next pay. Uh, let's go to the next story of Fox News. OK, what city is that in? That's not a city paper. Robert, where do you want me to go next? What city should I go to? OK, I do have L.A. Times in my browser bar. Here we go. My father never heard of a browser bar. He heard of a Hershey bar. Here, L.A. Times headlines. Uh, Turkey agrees to a pause in its invasion of Syria. Pence says, all right, fair. Breaking news, unprecedented movement detected on California earthquake fault capable of 8.0 Tremblor, not Temblor. Temblor, why can't they call it a Tremblor? Why did they make that mistake originally in the earthquake business and call it a Temblor when they meant the Trembler? I guarantee it was a mistake in, the, in syntax 
Some guy was probably dyslectic and said it's a a Tembler when he meant Trembler. And everyone copied it now for 70 years. Anyway, a magnitude 8 earthquake? Oh, God, has been moving for the first time on record since July's Ridgecrest quakes. I lived through the 89. I lived on the water in 89. The house moved like in the funhouse in Coney Island uh, on marijuana brownies. Everything was moving in the wrong direction. I actually thought someone had spiked my tuna fish. Uh, Luckily, the house didn't slip into the bay. But, hey, if it happens and I'm not here the next day, so be it. It's been a good life so far. Column. Mayor, Mayor Pete. I don't like the name Mayor Pete. That's covering up something. How did he get the moniker Mayor Pete? Tell me how he got them. Why did they come up with fun names for extreme liberals? Mayor Pete. Like he's some friendly Barbie doll. Pete the Barbie doll. Okay, you got the picture. Next case. Where do you want me to go next? What city on the headlines? Uh, Detroit have a newspaper there? What's it called? The Motor City Times? What, what's the paper called in Detroit? I got to pump that in now. Hold on. That's a long one. D-E-T-R-O-I-T-F-R-E-E-B-R-E-S-S. Detroit Free Press. Another S.com. Boom. And here we are into the next city in America when we read the headlines together. But uh, there's nothing there. There's no there there. There's nothing. DetroitFreePress.com. I don't even, it's not even downloading. I have the slowest computer. It's like from using AOL as an email address. I need somebody to come into this house and clean up my computer so the spyware can be taken out of it. So, all right, we'll go to the next one. Let's see the next headline. Um, we'll go the Washington Times. It's a good paper, but is it really from Washington? Senate fails to override Trump veto on border wall. Can you understand that headline? Can anyone explain what that means? Why does everyone write a headline that you have to like deconstruct it to understand it? Senate fails to override Trump veto. On border wall. What does that mean? I don't know. So you have to read down on the audience. Senators gave a backhand approval Thursday to President Trump's border emergency wall building plans by failing to override his veto. Oh, they, they couldn't say that. Around. The way you write a headline is Trump wins on border wall. Why do they have to twist everything in the news business? Why? That's why they're in journalism. If they could think straight, they wouldn't have gone into that business. Chuck Schumer's bid to rebuke Trump over Syria fails in Senate. Uh, Schumer is irrelevant. Schumer thought he'd be on the Supreme Court. He got passed over by Obama. He's a broken man. The only thing left for Chuck Schumer is to represent the jewelers in the jewelry district when he leaves the Senate. He can be the chief lobbyist for the jewelry district on East 43rd Street. Elijah Cummings, Pence Turkey agrees. Now we go to the next one. All right, give me the next one to go to. Well, what city you want me in? Um, New America. I can't. It takes the New York Daily News. There's the real Trump hating sheet. Who owns the New York Daily News? This guy is a real skunk. Really anti-white, anti-white, anti-Trump, anti-America, anti-flag. Do they actually sell anything called the Daily News in New York? All right. Headline in the Daily News with what's going on. Are you ready? Headline Daily News. Autopsy results released for former NFL player Cedric Benson two months after fatal motorcycle crash. Don't care. Don't know who he is. Former NYPD cop found guilty of assaulting disturbed teen and fudging arrest paperwork. Anything the Daily News can do to find a cop wrong, Trump wrong, America wrong. That's what they put on the paper. You wonder why they're not selling any newspapers. Queens man guilty in brutal paint can bludgeoning death of public school teacher. That's horrible. Queens deviant. Everything's from Queens, the deviant. Queens Deviant pleads guilty to 17,000 charges over collection of child pornography and videos of sex with a dog. Uh, I would connect that up to the Ukraine penis story because the only punishment suitable for that crime is the Ukrainian treatment, which would be take out a jackknife and use it on, uh, on Jack. Stupid. Trump, chief of staff, this is Puerto Rico, is that place and suggests it's a foreign country. Why must they stir up racism at the Daily News? What is this? Former Today host Megyn Kelly calls for outside investigation into NBC amid sexual assault allegation against Matt Lauer. What do they want for Matt Lauer? The guy lost his job. He's bald. He's a nobody. All they can do is go to Knickerbocker games and eat in Ray House. What kind of life does the guy have? Can't they leave him alone? Megyn Kelly looks like a, I can't say it, it's a family show. She went from drop dead gorgeous. She looks like she owns a, uh, a poodle treatment spa in Boca Raton. 
and she put on too much weight from too much too much chocolate waiting for her next uh, husband. You know what I'm saying? The connection of that one? That because she has no, you know what, she eats chocolate instead. <laughs> no, she doesn't look too hot. There's another one they killed. The beautiful girl. She was one of the most beautiful women in the history of television. She was in Mad Men. Uh, I don't know what they do to these beautiful blondes. They destroy them. They get the wrong advisor who hates women, and they tell them to cut their hair and look butchy, uh, change their outfits, and they put them on a show that they can't win on. And I'm into my first stop set. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. You know, we're never going to agree on everything, but I think we can all agree uh, that we can all use more sleep, right? Getting a great night's sleep is much easier than ever thanks to the world's softest sheets brought to you by Bowl & Branch. Everything Bowl & Branch makes, from bedding to blankets, is made from pure 100% organic cotton, which means they start out super soft and they get even softer over time. I mean, it's organic cotton. Try to match that one. Everyone who tries Bowl & Branch sheets loves them. That's why they have thousands of five-star reviews. And Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, Fast Company are all talking about Bowl & Branch. Their sheets are even loved by three U.S. presidents. They want you to love your purchase, too. So listen to this. They're offering you a no-risk, 30-day trial, and free shipping. But I doubt that you'll want to send them back. Once you sleep on their sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. So let me get you started right now. Okay? You get $50 off on your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com, promo code NATION. Did you hear me? Simple. Go to bowlandbranch.com. For $50 off your first set of sheets, that's B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code NATION, bowlandbranch.com, promo code NATION, and you will have the softest, sweetest sleep of your life, simply by going to bowlandbranch.com, promo code NATION. The Savage Nation, it's Savage On Demand. All right, so we're going to go around the country now, different newspapers. I'm going to read the headlines off websites, off the newspapers. You'll see how much of it's all the same. We know about the five-day ceasefire. Uh, allegedly, it's to permit the Kurds to leave the affected areas in the safe zone and permit Turkey to basically invade northern Syria and cut out a 12-mile strip for themselves. But if you want to call that a, a great deal, a great win, Something beautiful, something wonderful, something grand, something great, saving millions of lives. Go ahead, make my day. It's better than killing each other, but I don't think this is going to last. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know that I'm wrong. We're going to go to Kurdistan right now where we have a caller, believe it or not. Yes, a caller to the Savage Nation in Kurdistan named Peter. Peter, welcome to the program. Are you actually in Kurdistan uh, yes, sir, I am, and thanks for taking my call, Dr. Savage. Uh, uh, what, what are you doing there? You're an aid worker, I understand? I come here as a humanitarian aid worker, yes, sir, that is correct. All right, so what do you think is going to happen? Will the Kurds go along with this peace plan? At this point in time, no, I do not believe they will, uh, because what Erdogan is asking is for them to totally disarm themselves. And also, he wants to destroy all of their bases within the area, all of the fortifications that would uh, mean it. So basically, he's wanting them to be useless. So in other words, he wants to, to nullify their fighting capacity forever. Everything. Exactly. Uh, are you sure that's part of the peace plan? Because we're not reading that in any, any report out here in the, in the news world. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, I'm reading. Well, I got to take you on your word. So why is Trump trumpeting this as the greatest uh, peace plan in history? It's, it's very disturbing because I, I see a lot more slaughter ahead of us, and it's, uh, it's, it's heartbreaking. So what you mean? The Kurds are not going to become passive, not going to give up their weapons, and, and fighting will break out? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm seeing. I mean, everybody, I, I meet with generals here almost every night. Uh, I meet with many of the government officials and that's exactly what i'm saying and that's exactly what i'm hearing they're not about to allow this to happen to disarm themselves against one of their greatest enemies so why is pence claiming that this is a done deal a five-day ceasefire 
I have no idea. I was hoping you could give me some insight on that. because I have zero insight because, as you may know, if you've heard my show, I believe this was a military blunder. And then I wake up this morning and I hear that it's the greatest peace maneuver in history. And now I'm hearing from you on the ground that the pause in military operations for five days is not going to work because the Kurds are a warrior people who will not give up their weapons. Wow. Well, we'll have to wait and see. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Listen to me. You're not going to believe this. When I heard that at paintyourlife.com, you could have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from a photo you send, I thought, what a great idea. It must be so expensive. I was stunned and amazed to learn that the paintings are truly affordable and the quality really is amazing. I had it done. A painting from Paint Your Life makes the perfect gift. It's meaningful, it's personal, and it will be cherished forever. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, what you do is you take a photo that you love and you send it to paintyourlife.com. Have an original painting of yourself made of your children, your family, a special place, a cherished pet, at a price you can afford from paintyourlife.com. Now, these are true paintings done by hand by a world-class artist created from your favorite photo. It makes the perfect gift for birthdays and anniversaries. You pick the artist whose work you most admire right online. You go through them. They show you artists, their work. You say, use this artist. And you work with them throughout the process until every detail of your painting is perfected. If you don't love the final painting, they will give you your money back. There's one of me and Teddy that you're not going to believe. It was from the cover of my book, Teddy and Me. I couldn't believe it was actually hand-painted. It's a work of art. With Paint Your Life, you get your favorite memories transformed into a work of art that will be cherished forever. Right now is a limited-time offer. Get 30% off your painting, 30% off and free shipping. It's unbelievable. To get the special offer, just text the word SAVAGE to 484848. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 484848. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 484848. That's SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E to 484848. Message and data rates may apply. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. So, the interesting part here is that there's been a ceasefire, but what I'm seeing is it says Turkey agrees to the five-day ceasefire. I don't see any reports that the Kurds have agreed to the ceasefire. Have you? Notice how cleverly the headline, uh, Vice President Pence said Thursday that the United States and Turkey had agreed on a five-day Turkish ceasefire. 120 hours while the U.S. US facilitates the withdrawal of the Kurds, that's called the YPG, from the affected areas in the safe zone. And once that is completed, Turkey has agreed to a permanent ceasefire. Yet we just had a caller on the ground in Kurdistan, an aid worker, who said, no, the Kurds are not going to give up their weapons and walk into what they consider to be a death trap. So I, I don't know where this is going to go. I can jump on the headline and say, great, I'm glad. I hope Trump gets a Nobel Prize for this. But we don't know how it's going to work. You understand? Jimmy in New York, anyone else wants to comment? 855 Jimmy, go ahead. What's on your mind? Dr. Savage, that call that you just had busted my bubble because I was so excited and so proud of our president. But I feel like he's trying, for some reason, as much as I love him, I feel like he's trying to pull the wool over our eyes. You know, and I'm... Well, you know, if that caller is actually in Kurdistan and he's an aid worker with the Kurds and he's telling the listeners to this show, listeners to this show, that they will not go along with the ceasefire, we made breaking news that the world better pay attention to. Absolutely, 100%. But what are you leading them into slaughter then? And you want them to submit their guns, their protection, and just walk in aimlessly? I mean, it's... Wait, wait till you see what happens. If it turns out that that's one of the terms of the deal, that the Kurds have to turn in their guns, wait till you hear all of the rednecks who normally call the show, say they'll die rather than turn in their gun, say that the evil Marxist Kurds uh, should turn in their guns. Wait, you'll hear the rednecks call the show and put me down and call me a communist and a, a this one and a that one. 
Let them say what they want because they're ignorant. Dr. Savage, I just want to say one point. Uh, I believe Friday you said something about World War One. It was because of the killing of the, the assassination of the Archduke Ferdinand. No, but that was the trigger of what set it off. But what happened after that were sanctions against one country by another. That is what started the domino effect that brought World War One about. Yes, the, the, the trigger, the flashpoint, was the assassination of Archduke, whatever his Schmendrick's name was, by a Serbian nationalist, incidentally. It was a Serbian nationalist who shot him, if I remember correctly. But that's not what started World War One. It triggered what was under the surface between the countries. And I'm afraid that uh, there could be a flashpoint here that we haven't seen yet. And the thing that frightens me with Turkey is that they have those nuclear missiles. And I go along with you. Well, they're our nuclear missiles, but... He wants to use them against us. Well, it's in his land. So how are we, how are we going to stop him if they, they sabotage our air bases on their land? I respect you 100%, but I am so confused right now. I don't know which way to go. I honestly don't. What, are you confused about whether this is a real peace plan? I beg your Jimmy, point. Jimmy, you're confused as to whether this is a true peace plan, right? Right, based on that lead, the first caller you just, that caller from Kurdistan. I don't know. If the guy is on the level, and I don't know whether he is or not, and the Kurds going to refuse to turn in their guns to march out of there like a bunch of schmucks without a weapon in their pocket, I don't know if they'll do that. They're a warrior people. They've been at war for a long time. I don't think they're going to happily throw their gun into a ditch. Who would submit to these, these animals that want to slaughter them? I mean, I don't see... I don't know. I don't know if that's part of the plan, but, you know, if, we, if, he, if he called and that was true... You know, it will be what Donald Trump said. Let's play clip one. Maybe the, the president's telling us the truth, Robert. Let's hear the. This is an amazing outcome. This is an outcome, regardless of how the press would like to damp it down. This was something that they've been trying to get for 10 years. You would have lost millions and millions of lives. They couldn't mm-hmm. get it without a little rough love, as I called it. I just oh. put out. They needed a little bit of that at the oh. beginning. And then everybody oh. said, wow, this is tougher than we thought. Oh. When those guns start shooting, they tend to do things. But I will tell you, on behalf of the United States, I want to I thank Turkey. I want to thank all of the people that have uh, gotten together and made this happen. This is an incredible outcome. All right. He has his way, he has his way of talking. I don't quite follow every word he says. An award? I'm sorry, say it again. I'm on stage at the Academy Award accepting thank you. I want to thank you. And <laughs> oh, no. Now you're starting to sound like an anti-Trumper. Be careful, Jimmy, from uh, Staten Island. No, but Dr. Savage, my, the, the point here is, I, you know, I, I don't know which way to go. This man is he, he's stumbling over his words. <laughs> oh, stop. Now, Jimmy, Jimmy, you're a Trump guy out there, an Italian from Staten Island. It doesn't get more right wing than that. And yet you're starting to doubt him? But, Doctor, I'm not an imbecile. I could read the writing on the wall, like you say, the shadows in the cave on the wall. Yeah. So what do you read? I read insanity. I'm afraid of World War III, and I'm afraid of nothing being solidified, and everything is just a ruse. Nothing solidified, yeah. I've heard of uh, uh, ceasefires before that don't last too long. And the worst thing you could do is sit up there and say it's already a done deal and uh, millions of lives have been saved. Can't you go a little more carefully, Mr. Trump? Can't you be a little more cautious in announcing this? Can't you be a little more diplomatic in what you're saying about it? Wouldn't that have been appropriate at this time to be a little more diplomatic in a statement? Absolutely. 100 percent. What was the word that you couldn't take anymore? Abruptly. The operative word. Correct. It's not the cease. It's, it's not a lot dr- of people don't understand me. Some do, some don't. It was not that I wanted American troops there. They see, they keep twisting your words. Sure, you want the troops out of the Middle East. Fine. But you don't abruptly pull them out and then negotiate from a position of weakness. What you do is you leave your troops there. And then you negotiate from a position of strength, not weakness. So the whole thing is uh, something backwards. I can't use the word uh, that I was going to use donkey wise backwards. But, but Jimmy, you come from an area where people fight with each other. Am I right? 100%. And they argue. They get into really bad disputes in your world, I think. Well, you're and 100%. You, okay, no, all right. So, so you know how people react to each other. If they smell weakness on the other side, how do they usually behave when they smell weakness? Uh, t- listen, you 
you get slapped all over the place, or you or you're, or you're out of the you're out of the group, so to speak, if you will, for lack of better words, you're out of the group. All right, you're being very diplomatic. You see, you're able to uh, elevate your your rhetoric with the show. That's good. You're getting better every time you call. Well, it's only because I learned from the best, and that's you, Dr. Savage. You have to be a little diplomatic. And although you want to use street lingo, it works sometimes, not all the time. But truthfully, if you show weakness in the world that you come from, you do get slapped around. And uh, this was a sign of weakness pulling our troops out, in my opinion. 100%. But let me just say this to you. You had a guy on your show that that wanted to call you an anti-Trumper because you had the hot dog on the plane and you defied America. That imbecile, if I could have reached through the phone, my eye snapped. I had to go to the ophthalmologist to put the retina back. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't don't understand, these people, is that you can be loyal to a leader— and still disagree with some of his policy positions. Intelligence. Yeah, in other words, you're not a, a slave. You're not a mental serf that whatever the guy does, yes, I, I'm not Sean Hannity. Oh, please. I'm not Rush Limbaugh that whatever the president does, I get on my hands and knees and lick his boots. I can't do that. You were made that way. Let me tell you something. Let me say it right now. Yes, their shows are larger than mine. So what? What does that mean? Does that change the truth? Does that mean I have to throw away the dignity of my life to get a hot dog? Never. You came too far from your great-grandfather that you never met to Mama Savage with her intelligence to your beautiful wife, the way you met her. Your, your life is a storybook. But people don't see you for that. They want to say, oh, you're a loud mouth. You're this, you're that. Right. Uh, no, they, that's right. They want to, they want to t- that's what I try to say at the beginning of the show, Jimmy. It's reached a point where people don't want to know who you are. They don't listen to what you say. It's either they agree with the first three words out of your mouth or they cast you into the other side. Absolutely. And this Twitter is the ruination. The ruination. There's no intelligence anywhere. Oh, my God. I'm trying my best. But you, oh, you mentioned something about Twitter. You're not going to believe how, how amazingly stupid Twitter is. Do you know that over the last three days, my Twitter followers have gone up 200,000? And I couldn't understand it. All of a sudden, I posted my, my spaghetti sauce Sunday night. It went up 100000 the next day. So I went on the air. Monday, I said, to him, I said, they don't want to hear about politics. They want to see me cooking. All right. So then I put up my pizza visit the other night. It goes up another 100000 Everybody else in talk radio, no matter what they tell you, they're lying to you. Their Twitter followers, either they're buying them or they're falling down. They've reached their peak a long time ago. I have never seen anything like it. It went up by 200,000 followers just by posting food videos. I'm one of them. And I remember when you made that paella and when the food fell on the floor, you said my house is cleaner than the outside. Right. And I put it back in the pan because my floor is immaculate. But You know, I think I'm going to start doing on Sunday nights. I think I'm going to cook and do this time. I'm going to show myself again like the paella cooking because people want to see the talker. They actually want to see you, you know, doing the thing, not just talking, you know, like the invisible. Remember the show? You remember the show? The Do you remember the show? The Millionaire when you were young, where some like uh, anonymous guy would give away a million dollars on TV. You remember that show? Yes, I absolutely. Oh, we all loved that. We were poor. We watched the show The Millionaire and it's like, all right, John, I want you to go out to Toledo, Ohio. (laughs) There is a Sam Smith who is down on his luck. He has lost his job. His wife has died of stage four cancer. I want you to give Sam Smith a million dollars. Yes, boss, I'll be back to report. Remember, that was a great show. We all hoped we all hoped we'd be the one they give the million dollars to. Right. My grandmother sat there with her hands on her belly, her legs crossed, squinted her eyes and said, why can't that guy come here? <laughs> <laughs> but we, we made it, Doc. We're all right. That's 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 right. That's correct. That is a hundred percent right. We're still here, Jimmy. God bless you. I'll be back in a minute. My community is the Savage Nation, and it's time we got savage. This is about the nation. This isn't about Republicans or Democrats. This is about our nation. So we have a five-day ceasefire. During that five days. The Kurds and other people, they're going to be taken great care of. They're going to be moving around, moving out of a safe zone, which is something that Turkey has always wanted. The ISIS, they call them Daesh, but we call them ISIS. Uh, The ISIS fighters that we have captured, they'll be under very, very strict control of various different groups. But we will be watching. We will be in charge. Well, we don't know. Turkey has agreed to the five-day ceasefire, but we had a caller 
from Kurdistan at the beginning of the hour, who claims to be an aid worker on the ground. And he said the Kurds have not agreed to it and will never agree to turning in their weapons to march out of what is their territory right now. So we don't know yet. We really don't know, my friends. Let's hope that peace prevails. Let's hope that Mr. Pence gets a Nobel Peace Prize or the president himself for resolving this difficult thing. But I'm not that optimistic. Why? Because I've studied history. I've studied warfare. I've studied uh, every charade known to mankind that politicians have pulled off since Julius Caesar. And uh, Erdogan is no dummy. Erdogan wants to recreate the Ottoman Empire, which I've been telling you for a while now. He sees himself as a new a new Ottoman king. Let's put it to you that way. Bruce in San Francisco, line five. You see a different comparison. What is it that you see here? Well, I'll tell you, history repeats itself. 1879, South Africa. The Brits went in, they told the, the Zulus, hey, uh, we'll, we will leave you alone if you give us all your weapons. The Zulus hmm. thought about it for about one second. Remember, there were lions out there and other tribes and the British and said, forget you. The British said, okay, this is, a, this is a reason why we attack you. So they attacked. After they're getting their asses kicked a couple of times, they beat the Zulus because of their technology. But the Zulus were not about to get rid of all their weapons. Who would? Well, the Zulus were warrior people to begin with. Right. And, 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 they, and they knew a man without a spear is a dead man. That they knew. That was in the, in the code of their DNA, right? Absolutely. And by the way, Doctor, before I go, I'm a millionaire. John Beresford Tipton was a millionaire. <laughs> oh, you remember the show? Sure. And, the, and Michael Anthony gave away the money every week. Oh, yes. God, it's all coming back now. But were you a kid when you watched it? I did, and I used to like to stay home from school sick and watch it, because it was on in the day. And did you dream that one day he would send the million dollars to you? Hey, I didn't even get my allowance raised. I, I couldn't get a million. You know, it's amazing, amazing how some television shows stick with your mind for, for decades to come, because they touch, on the, they touch on the core of human want. Look how far we've fallen, that we've fallen from that to women with breast implants, dropping their brassiere, saying, whoops. That's what, that's what television has become. I used to remember all those shows. All right, well, we're, we're out of time. A great caller, Zulu Wars. Shaka Zulu. Shaka Zulu. You think the Kurds are going to give up their weapons and march out to eat their Kurds in ways? We'll have to wait and see. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. All right, here's my tweet. It's the same for the show. It's our two, Savage Nation. Turkey agrees to five-day ceasefire, but will the Kurds agree to disarm? See, we had a caller in the last hour who says he's calling from Kurdistan. He's an aid worker. He could have been someone else, could have been CIA, could have been anybody, right? I don't know who he is. And he says, Michael, the Kurds are a warrior people. They will never put their weapons down and march down, uh, march out of that area. They're not putting their weapons down to leave, which is part of the agreement. That's what he said. We'll have to find out if we're ahead of the curve here or it was just the caller. I do not know. But I want to know what you think on the Savage Nation. 855-400-7282, New York City, Jeff, line five. Go ahead, please. Hi, Dr. Savage. Pleasure to talk to you. I've uh, been a really long, long-time listener. I have been sick since this thing was announced a week and a half ago. I cannot believe that the president deserted the people who supported us through both Gulf Wars were our allies. And they are the main source of the defeat of ISIS they lost 11,000 warriors in the fighting ISIS with a force of the SDF with a force of 60,000 with help, which is advisory help from us and air support, uh, took out. Jeff, I've said the same thing. I had a Kurdish friend on last week, the day after Trump made this abrupt 
and uh, mistaken withdrawal. I have been attacked ever since I did it by the Trump supporters who say I'm working for Russia. I'm a neocon. I'm a warmonger. The exact opposite is true. But in order to have peace, you have to have strength. You cannot have peace from weakness. No, I thank you so much for your support for them. I've been following the Kurds since the 70s. People don't understand how long they've been fighting for their freedom. Yeah, yeah, but Trump made made that a negative. He said they've been fighting forever. Let them kill each other. No, they've been fighting for their freedom since the 70s. They're spread out. Are, are you of Kurdish uh, ancestry yourself? Um, no, sir. I'm not. But I've always so, been... so why do you have an affinity for the Kurdish people? I'm not Kurdish, but I love the people. I have an affinity for the Kurdish people because they're an underdog people who've been fighting for their, for their life for, for as long as I can remember. What I love about them is they're a diverse and really hardy people. They're spread out across Turkey, Syria, and Iraq. People don't know that Saddam Hussein tried to wipe them out in the 70s. They, Saddam Hussein wiped out 4,500 Kurdish villages and used chemical weapons on many of those villages. Those people died where they stood, just going about their daily lives. But that never made the papers here because we were supporting Iraq at the time. Mm. Now, and now that we can, that I hear Trump saying, uh, it's not our fight. We could not have defeated ISIS. He can take credit for defeating ISIS when it is they're the ones that defeated ISIS. That is correct. It was mainly them fighting hand-to-hand. It was the women fighters from the YPG. And it's shocking that they don't get more credit, but that's what the left-wing press is about. So I assume you voted for Donald Trump? Yes, I did, sir. All right. Now, we've we got to clear the air because right away you'll be accused of being a, you know, a Bernie supporter. No. I, I, I don't like the cavalier manner in which he speaks about these people like they're just little marionettes somewhere out in the world, that they're not human beings. Hey, Did you hear that comment the other day? There's a lot of sand over there. Let him fight over it. It's absolutely shocking to me. Who makes a statement like that? Where have you ever heard anything like that in your life? Tell me where. Never. I, I've, I've never. I've heard of the characterization by people. Of other. But who would have put that in Trump's head? There's a lot of sand over there. Who talks to him like that? I want to know, in your opinion, in your mind, I could. I, I met some of the people around the president. They're great people. I wouldn't know any of them would say a thing like that to him. Who would have said a thing like that to him? It seems to have happened right after he met with Erdogan. I don't know who he was conferring with. But the, the shocking thing to me is, is he's taking, Erd- he's taking Turkey as our allies over the Kurds who have been our allies. The, the Turks denied us airspace when we were in, in the war with Iraq. Uh, what, what, what's not being told is the Kurds have to defend themselves against an army who's using U.S.-supplied military jets, U.S. personnel carriers, U.S. tanks. How are you supposed to defend yourself against U.S. jets? bombing you every what are you going to do if you wake up in, in two days and see that our air force is bombing the Kurds and killing them uh, I, you know, I, I, and then Trump says in the middle of a, a helicopter roar well uh, we gave him a chance we gave him a chance and the Kurds they're not such nice people they don't want to lay down their weapons what do you expect how can they lay down their weapons they'd be annihilated the groups that they call terrorists like PKK you know what they are? They're the Minutemen of the, of the uh, Kurdish people. No different than the American patriots who fought for freedom in this country. Well, but you see, the idiots on Twitter are saying they're all uh, Marxist rebels who should be killed. No, they're people who are trying to survive. And- I understand that. Wait until you see what happens when, if, we, if it turns out to that caller. Did you hear him in the last hour who said he was calling from Kurdistan? Yes, I did. And he said that the Kurds didn't agree to the ceasefire. They'll never lay down their weapons. Because they're a warrior, people are born with an AK in their hand, they'll die with an AK in their hand. They're never going to lay down their weapons because they know what happens to people who have no weapons. Wait till you hear all the right-wingers who call my show who say, well, I'll die if I give up my Second Amendment to them liberals, but them Kurds, they ought to give up their weapons. That's what you're going to hear. Wait, you'll see. That would be be their annihilation. Their only survival is... Well, I appreciate your calling from New York, and I'm glad you still follow me. Uh, uh, in the city, even though they took me off the air there for God knows what reason. I still have a huge audience in New York. And whoever they replaced me with, to be honest with you, everyone knows he hasn't shaved yet. I don't listen to the other. I don't listen. No, no, I don't understand the thinking in some of these stations. I can't control what people do with their radio stations. 
If they want an individual on, they were, they can put me on or them on. They could put a guy on who sounds like Mickey Mouse on Laughing Gas. Uh, if that's what they prefer to a man who sounds like a man, that's just up to them. You know, I, I could get a can of Laughing Gas. Maybe that would increase my popularity to appeal to women. If I started, maybe I should inhale Laughing Gas before my show. So I sound like most of the people in radio today. 855-407-282. What's on next? Chuck Schumer after meeting with Trump. He called Pelosi a third-rate politician. He should have called her something more than that. She's a little fascist who's following in the footsteps of Mussolini in a pantsuit. That's what he should have said. You know, who does she think she's falling? She, she, he called, she called him crazy. She's as nutty as a fruitcake coming from a city where fruitcakes are the norm. I'll be back in a minute. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Look, the sad truth is most Americans don't know what a Kurdish person is. They don't care. And this is uh, nothing new under the sun. They didn't care about the Jews during World War II either, by the way. In case you think it was a noble cause of the American people, you're mistaken. And uh, people are very much oriented toward their own, you know, their own kitchen, their own pebble in the shoe. And I've told you that for the all years I've been on radio. It's gone back to Roman times. The Roman historians told us that the average Roman didn't care what the legions were doing in uh, Germania. They cared about the pebble in the shoe, meaning the cost of uh, leather, the cost of beef. That's all they cared about. And whether they were relatively safe in their, in their little village. That's all anyone ever cares about. That's the absolute truth. However, when we hear today that there's a ceasefire, and then you read a little bit into it, and you find out that it's a five-day ceasefire, and then you find out that only Turkey has agreed to the ceasefire, and we, don't know, we do not know any of the terms, and then we had a caller from Kurdistan. We may find out shortly that he was correct, that the Kurds have not agreed to the ceasefire. What's going to happen then? We do not know. We have no idea. But uh, William in Connecticut is convinced that it's a truce that's going to last, and maybe he's right. Go ahead, please, William. You're on the Savage Nation. Oh, yes, Dr. Savage. Uh, you obviously have been criticizing Trump for the true pullout in Syria for a number of days. And as you just said now with the, uh, the ceasefire, none of our troops were killed. I just wondered if you still feel that uh, he made a mistake. Well, we'll have to wait and see if the peace and ceasefire hold. Okay, but that's... That's future. That's hypothetical. Right now, if this holds, would you still feel that he made a mistake? Well, the abrupt nature of the withdrawal is unprecedented. Yes, it's a mistake. Even though none of our troops were killed. Okay, you see, you're trying to put me into a logical box, but you're not succeeding. Trump's abrupt. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm just... no, I understand. So let me answer. Trump's right. abrupt withdrawal was the issue. The issue was not withdrawing troops. It was the abrupt nature of the withdrawal. It was unthinking. It was abrupt. It was without consult consultation of our partners, with our diplomats, with our Defense Department. The military itself opposed it. It was the nature of how the troops were withdrawn. And so okay. you're saying, well, what if it results in a, in a lasting peace? I would say, great, you should get a Nobel Prize. Okay. So I don't know how else to answer it. I'm not going to sit here and say he was wrong if it turns out to be right. But when we hear that it's only a, a, a ceasefire that Turkey has agreed to, I'm a little suspicious because Turkey is the power player in, in that in that uh, cease on that seesaw. And if the curb the Kurds don't put their weapons down, is that not up to them? Is that our fault? Well, it means we know nothing about the Kurdish people. It means we know nothing about the fact that there are warrior people who are born with an AK in their hands and die with an AK in their hands, or else they know that there'll be nothing but mush. So you cannot dictate to a people, if you know nothing of their culture, how are you going to ever communicate with that culture? How? But that, that is still their decision. That is my only or So it's their decision to be killed, in other words. No, it's their decision not to... All right, so let me turn it around on you, since you're trying to put me into a situation where, where you come out on top. What if we wake up and Trump says, for the safety of America, I'm going to suspend the Second Amendment for one year until the election? Would you, put, would you turn in your gun? That's, that's hypothetical. Well, you're asking me another hypothetical. There's a ceasefire, and none of our... You just asked me another hypothetical. You said if the Kurds don't turn in their weapons, isn't it their fault? And I said to you, what if Trump announces that he's going to suspend the Second Amendment before the election for the safety of all Americans? Would you turn your gun in? Oh, that's, that's apples and oranges. 
No, it is not. It's exactly the same. No, no. It's exactly the same thing. You know damn well you wouldn't turn your gun in. Why wouldn't you? Well, wait a minute. Would you turn your gun in or not? Hell no. no, I'm not asking the Kurds to turn them in. All I'm saying is... Well, what do you mean you're not asking the Kurds? You just said it would be up to them to turn them in or not. That's what you said two minutes ago. You're putting words in my mouth. I said honor the ceasefire. I didn't say they had to turn in their weapons. Big difference. What? No, wait a minute. Hold on. What if the ceasefire that Pence agreed to yep. consists of a clause which says that the Kurds shall be given safe haven out of the 30-mile buffer zone that Turkey wants to steal from them, but they have to do so they have to do so after they turn their weapons in. What happens then? You're making stuff up now. You know, is there something wrong with your thinking? No. You know, when you got on the phone, you sounded like a rational man. Now you're sounding like there's a, a DNA a DNA break here. What are you doing? We're just talking about what could happen. Hypotheticals. Are they asking them to turn their weapons in? Well, well, they may ask them that. We don't know the details of the ceasefire, do we? And the sun might not come up tomorrow. No, that's not the same thing. It is. We had, no, listen, sir. We had a caller from Kurdistan in the last hour, which you probably missed. Nope. And he said he works with the Kurds. He works with the Kurds, and they're not going to abide by the ceasefire because they'll never turn their guns in. No, that's not so. No. No one's asking them to turn their guns in. Wait, did you hear the caller or not? Let me start with that. Yes, I did. But no one's asking them to turn their guns in. How do you know that? How do you know they're not? All right. Have a nice day. There's NPR. Let me give you the 800 number to NPR where your kind of illogic uh, prevails. This is stupid. It's like fifth grade discussion here. We had a caller who lives in Kurdistan, works with the Kurds. He said they're not turning their guns in. They're not going to abide by the ceasefire. I'm saying what if they don't turn their guns in and don't abide by the ceasefire? What's going to happen then? The caller says that's their fault then. Then we have to turn it on them. Well, okay. Everyone has their positions set in stone. Everyone set their positions in concrete. And uh, nothing's going to change. It's that simple. Everyone's mind is made up. I don't trust Erdogan as far as I can throw a donkey. I don't trust Erdogan as far as I can throw a... I've watched Erdogan degenerate as a political leader over the years. I've watched him from the beginning. Erdogan came along as a rather moderate leader of Turkey, which was a rather advanced nation, by the way. And as time went on, because he was pressured by the terrorists within his own government, who have penetrated all aspects of Turkish government, from the police to the security services, you name it. He started to move radically to the to the left, if you want to call it that, or to the right, if you want to call it that. Erdogan started to move closer and closer to the positions of the terrorists himself, of themselves. And he became like a terrorist leader. Then we wake up and we see that he wants to kill all of the Kurds and steal 30 miles of northern Syria, which you could say, well, he needs the safety of that zone. Well, what would you say if the Mexicans, let's turn it around again and try to use your mind. What if the Mexican government said, we're going to take Texas, 30 miles of Texas, southern Arizona and southern California as a buffer zone to keep the gringos out of Mexico? What would you say to that? What would you say? It was their land to begin with and it was stolen from the Mexicans? Because if you do say that, that's what you're saying about Turkey. So think very carefully and put yourself in the shoes of the fishermen. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Uh, these are difficult times, but it requires... It requires a little knowledge of history and a little knowledge of human nature and a little knowledge of reality to ask yourself whether the ceasefire will hold. I mean, if you look at the history of military ceasefires, some hold, but most don't. If you look, for example, where are you going to look to the Vietnam War? How many times did the Viet Cong agree to a ceasefire and only to break the ceasefire while we pulled back our troops? Many, many times. My suspicion is that Turkey, being who Turkey is, and Erdogan being who Turk Erdogan is, of course he agreed to a five-day ceasefire with Pence. But we haven't heard from the other side. Until we actually hear from the leaders of the other side, we don't know if this is real. And I'm in a business where I have to decide whether something is real before I take a position. Now, in the last hour on The Savage Nation, I had a call from a man who said he was in Kurdistan live. He was an aid worker. He said he could have been CIA. He could have been anything. And he said he speaks to the Kurdish generals and none of them have agreed to a ceasefire because they will not agree to put their guns down. 
Whether that is true or not, we do not know. But I'm not going to leap on the news flash and now take a position and make that my position. I want to know what the Kurds say. Don't you? Let's take some callers. Berkeley, California. Carlos, thanks for listening on KSFO. What's on your mind, Carlos? Hey, uh, I'm a longtime liberal and longtime caller and uh, a longtime listener. And I appreciate how you are not walking in step with the president on this, that you're actually voicing an independent conservative opinion on something that is, by all means, do you have any idea what he could be possibly thinking to pull this foreign policy move? I mean, because well, you're, you're asking us a question and you're making a statement. Uh, no, I don't know what he's thinking. It's true that I have been very close to the president and will support him right to the end. But I think he made a huge mistake here. I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Now, but of course, as a lifetime liberal, you want to believe he's wrong on everything, correct? Has he done anything you agree with? Um, I, I will take. It's hard for me because I'm, a, I'm conservative in the sense that, like, what happened to the budget deficit? What happened to caring about spending more than we're taking in? So you're, you're a fiscal. Wait, you're a fiscal conservative liberal. I, I, I don't care who anybody marries. I don't care if you go to church or not. I, I just pay your taxes, be a good citizen, um, and, and, and I'm sorry. All right, so you're sa- okay, I understand what you're saying. You really don't care about social issues. You're more of a fiscally conservative type, if you don't even use the word conservative. And in general, you hate Trump, though. I, I can't take the lie after lie after lie. He lies about yesterday's weather. What about Obama? Did he did he hurt you with his lies? Did he did he irk you with his lies rather? Um, I, if we go by all presidents lie, but bald face lie. What about one hundred and seventy five billion dollars that came out of nowhere, which he gave to to uh, uh, who did he give it to? Uh, I forget who he gave it to to Iran. Where'd that money come from? How come no one talks about that money? But I don't want to relive the eight years of, of uh, uh, Obama where I lived in the fear of being arrested in the middle of the night uh, by uh, someone in a black car with a black hood over my head. I don't feel that anyway anymore. Do you? But you're going by what you feel. It didn't happen. I, but we, I know many people who feared Obama would have secret police take us away in the middle of the night. You and I both know that Trump has never done that, never will do that. But let's not have hypothetical arguments. It's not going to get us anywhere. The point of your call is that you hate Trump, but you're glad that I hate Trump, too, on this issue. But I don't hate Trump on this issue. I, I, I'm glad that you are taking an independent position and not just. But I am an independent conservative, which is the only reason the president ever saw me to begin with. Uh, I don't think people know this about him. You're aware that I was on Air Force One with him a few weeks ago, correct? Yes. All right. Why do you think he would have a man like me? who's not really that big in the media. It's a small radio show. It's been around a long time. Why would he even agree to see me if he didn't have some respect for me? Oh, I, I think he has respect for you. So wait, wait. So let's just carry this together. I'm not trying to put you into a logical box. What, let's think together. You're a man who disagrees with me politically. Why would the president have had me on in such an intimate setting and agree to sit down with me even for five minutes and share a hot dog with me? What was he getting at? Why would he even have me in that in that in that amazing space? There was a reason for it. You say, well, okay, it's a Machiavellian reason. He needs your voters. He needs every vote he can get. That would be true if you said that. But he didn't have to have me on that plane to get that. He could have called into the show for one minute and gotten the same exact result, if not even something bigger. So I believe there's something more to it. And what I believe is this. I have since learned that the president actually detests uh, butt kissers. He cannot stand those who have nothing but good things to say about him because he doesn't trust them. In fact, he only respects people who disagree with him and can back up their arguments who are not afraid to disagree with him. And I tell you, if I could ever tell you what went on, you would say, holy God, how did you survive that? Because it wasn't all uh, bread and roses there and love and roses. I'll tell you that right now. I doubt he'll let you back on the plane after what you've said today. I don't know. Maybe I'll, ne- maybe I'll never get another hot dog after disagreeing with him about the, uh, the withdrawal, the abrupt withdrawal. Oh, you're uh, crossed off the list now. You've disagreed with him. You aren't loyal. No, no, no. You're wrong about that because I had disagreed with him for, for well over six months 
on many issues. I agreed with him, disagreed with him on many things, including immigration, because he has failed me on immigration. Shall I be more specific about that? Well, no, you, you, you've disagreed with him around the edges. This is a complete 180 compared to his policy. It's not like he needs to go a little further on something. You're completely disagreeing with him. On All right, I could see your point of view, but I disagree with you because let me tell you something. People assume that if you disagree with Donald Trump at all, you're out, that he will not accept you near him if you have any disagreements with him. I don't believe that's true by my own experience. And he happens to know what talk show hosts say because he has people, huge staff like all presidents do. They don't listen to these shows. Never mind what people who tell you they listen. He doesn't listen to any shows. He doesn't have the time. He's running the world. What he does, he gets a quick summary from people who do listen to these shows of what the hosts are saying about him. Okay, so he's aware that I've been a little dissatisfied with many of his policies. And he said that to me, point blank, up front. But you're saying this is a, a bridge too far is what you're saying. I think you are completely disagreeing with him on something that he's drawn a line in the sand about. And I don't understand what the possible reason is for him to tick off so many conservatives and Republicans over this issue. Like, what is, why is he using up all this political capital? I don't know. I, I think it was a blunt. Listen, my personal feeling is Erdogan blackmailed him on that Sunday night phone call. You see, you talk about transcripts of calls. I would love to see a transcript of the Erdogan phone call from that Sunday night. I'd like to know what Erdogan threatened them with. And we suspected or surmised that Erdogan said, look, you've got military, we've got military uh, uh, bases here that you use and you have nuclear weapons on them. Either you go along with what I'm about to do or you're going to have real trouble on your bases because I can't control what ISIS might do to your airplanes. I can't control what ISIS might do with your nuclear weapons. That's something Erdogan certainly could have done. Isn't it a theoretical possibility? Uh, Yes. Yes, but he's going to just cave in to being blackmailed. How do we know? That's a pretty big threat if that's what happened. Why would he otherwise cast aside the Kurds so quickly and turn him into somewhat a comical villain? How did he come to do that so quickly? The Kurdish people are one of the most noble peoples on the planet. How did we suddenly in America come to say they're nothing, they're nobody, they're garbage? How did this happen in just a few days? Well, does he have a strategy, a long-term strategy, where he's looking at all the interplaying things going on in the Middle East? He may, he may by now have come to conclude, like most presidents do, that it's better to do business with those with a nation state uh, than those who are stateless. He wouldn't be the first president to make that conclusion, come to that conclusion. But does he think a month ahead? Is he thinking he- well, you're asking me a question for which you're giving an answer. You're saying he had no, no th- forethought to this. Let me answer it in another way, because I'm going to go back to something I said when I was backing him before he was president. He was using this paralogical or almost illogical manner from the day he started campaigning. Is that correct? Yes. All right. In other words, he spoke with broken syntax. His logic, it didn't make sense. A lot of the statements were were illogical. They made no sense. And I, I listened very carefully And I'm a man who uses Aristotelian logic. I grew up on it, and I've always respected Aristotelian logic. He doesn't use Aristotelian logic. And then I said on this show in 2015, I think, or 2016, I know someone who's a very successful man who is almost the same exact way. He writes the same way. He'll write stuff that you can't understand why he's even saying that in that way. It doesn't make any sense. And he's one of the brightest people I've ever met. And what I've learned since is that there are people who have minds that are different than mine. They think differently. They think in an illogical manner that makes sense sometimes. You're really tying yourself in a pretzel. No, I just told you what I know from my own life. If I ever told you who it is, you'd have to agree with me. And, you know, it's just the way some people work. Now, you don't have to accept it because you've already made up your mind that he's illogical or crazy or this or that. Uh, and I can't change your mind, nor do I intend to change your mind. But I do appreciate your willingness to listen to someone whose politics you generally disagree with. I have tried, by the way, to listen to liberal stations in the Bay Area. I stopped 10 years ago because you can predict what they're going to say. They're filled with hate. They hate white people. They hate straight people. They hate conservative people. They hate Republican people. They have utter contempt and hatred for the American way. I don't listen to them. They're unwilling to listen. That's the type I won't listen to. I'm glad you you claim to be a liberal who at least listens to the other side. And I thank you for doing so.
And that's it. Now, look, th- this is an interesting discussion that we are having. And uh, we don't know, again, before I take this break, the man, by the way, made some good points from his perspective. I understand that. Uh, I'm saying that he may, that Trump may, let me summarize. I'm saying Trump may be doing things in his own way that make no sense to us. I wouldn't now jump to the conclusion that he's driven by God or that uh, he's playing fourth dimensional chess. I, don't, don't go there. That phrase of three-dimensional chess is mine. I created that three years ago. Uh, He's not playing three-dimensional chess. I think he made a realpolitik decision in his own way. In that conversation, let's back it up another minute. You may not know, but I'm a successful novelist. I've had three best-selling books, uh, the Jack Hatfield series. And, And interestingly enough, they were about a Muslim nation in each case. Abuse of power, a time for war. Countdown to Mecca. Each one was a New York Times bestseller. Those of you who listen to me in San Francisco don't know that because you live in this Soviet era where unless the politics match uh, the position of Nancy Pelosi, and Willie Brown, you never hear of the uh, of the author of the idea. But in those books, I covered subjects very much like this. And at the end of the day, if I were writing a novel is what I'm getting at about this situation, I would say that the president made a decision to go with the most powerful figure in the uh, in that jungle and did a deal with the devil, as it were, for the betterment of mankind and the betterment for peace. And he really didn't care about the Kurds at all. That's what I think he wrote them off. They, they don't have a nation state. They don't really threaten us in any way. They're of no value to us in any way. He's a re- he's a realist. Is it moral and ethically appealing to you? I don't know. But how many decisions did Obama make that were morally and ethically wanting? How many decisions do all presidents of all nations make that are morally and ethically wanting? You know, it's one thing to say about a subject like here on radio what you would do when you don't have really any power to do it. It's another thing when you're dealing with a nation state like Turkey, which has one of the largest militaries on the planet, number one. Number two, we have two air bases there with nuclear weapons in storage on their territory. Uh, uh, number three, we need them as a trading partner. And number four, we have nothing, no business whatsoever with the Kurds. So if you're looking at it from the point of view of a balance sheet or from a point of view of simple power politics, you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go with what Turkey wants. I don't care about the other side. That's what I think is going on in the novel that I am writing. Michael Savage, a host like no other. All right, well, look, I just got some of the details of the so-called ceasefire, and I think it's very important I read them because they're probably going to be lost in the media for the rest of this day. Are you ready for this? Here's what Turkish foreign minister, whatever his name is, just said. We got everything we wanted. We will pause Operation Peace Spring for PKK slash YPG to leave the safe zone. Turkey is saying the following. This is not a ceasefire. Ceasefires can only happen between two legitimate sides, unquote. That's what Turkey's position is. So they're calling the Kurds not a legitimate side. I don't think you understand the game that's being played here. Listen, what else Turkey said? Quote, when the terrorist elements completely leave the safe zone, we can stop the operation. Oh, really? Now, the Turks consider both elements of the Kurdish armies terrorist organizations, both the YPG and the PKK. That's despite the fact that we have fought aside the YPG for years now. There is more that I'm going to report to you right now. I don't have the time. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. The Turks have said that the two sides had agreed for heavy arms to be taken from the YPG and for their positions to be destroyed fulfilling a long-held request for Ankara. In other words, Trump has given Turkey the everything they wanted without consulting with the YPG who had been our allies. Turkey also added that they've given no guarantees regarding the Syrian border town of Kobani. So, my friends, before we raise the white flag of peace and release the dubs, please, please suspend, suspend such childish ambitions. I pray that they do come true, but I don't believe in Santa Claus. The Westwood One Podcast Network.